What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. Here is a podcast about sports cards and collecting. And my name is Brett McGrath. And if you haven't come by and it's your first time stopping through, welcome. We tend to get a little nerdy on here sometimes, talk about things a little um, off the beaten path. I share my perspective on what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, and hopefully learn something from you, the collector. Hopefully you all had a good Thanksgiving. We're about a a week removed as this goes live. Working off those calories, I know I am. Did anybody else go on the 10,000 calorie challenge? Did anyone? I was stuffing my face. I was working. eating the pouring the gravy on top of the gravy. Started off with a brunch, though. You got to do the egg casserole, the biscuits and gravy. You got to get the brunch in if you're trying to hit that 10,000 calorie mark. And you got to get the pies. You got to get the pie rotation in. I am still paying for it. I can tell you that. But man, Thanksgiving was amazing. That Black Friday, I don't go out. I stay within the friendly confines of my house. I don't drop elbows. I don't smash people over the head for TVs. Not my thing. But it did feel like I got a little bit of a free day there on Black Friday. Felt like it was supposed to be Saturday. You know what I'm talking about. There, I guess there's not really a free day when you are a parent. Um, it's the joy of parenting. My little one's getting some teeth in, teething, the drooling, also a little sick. So you got the boogers. You got the combo of the drooling and the boogers. Got to get the mop out over here at Stacking Slabs HQ. But it is fun. We're on the road. We're in the holiday season, the road to the holidays. Whatever you celebrate, hopefully you enjoy it and you're getting geared up. My little one, we're asking her, you know, what does Santa say? She's got the ho, ho, ho. She's ho, ho, hoing all around the house. It's amazing. Trying to get the movies going. I'm a little burnt out on Coco Melon. I got all the songs in the back of my head. They never leave. So I'm trying to integrate some... um some Santa stuff, getting the attention for a little bit. If anyone has a recommendation on any of these streaming services of Santa being in the front and center and there being a lot of singing, DM me at Stacking Slabs. You can also follow me there across all those social channels. I'm looking for something that I can keep my little one's attention would appreciate that. A little bit over one years old. But I want to say this. I'm excited to talk about sports cards today. What I'm what I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about the importance of activity. I talk about activity a lot, but I wanted to kind of zoom out and talk about activity from some, some of my recent moves, what I'm thinking, what I'm doing. I also want to talk about the desire that I have and why I think it's important that we try to be unique in our collecting and do whatever we can to be individuals. Don't look at the neighbor. Don't say, oh, they have cool cards. I want cool cards. Go out and buy stuff for yourself. So I'm going to end the episode with a little bit of that. And you know what? There's always some stuff in between. I enjoyed watching football. I enjoy watching the Buffalo Bills. I enjoy watching Josh Allen. And I had this moment during the Thanksgiving holiday where I was watching the Bills and the Lions game, and I said, you know what? I think I know why I like watching this team so much, but also uh, maybe feel um, some pain of, of the Bills sometimes, is that it reminds me so much of the Andrew led Indianapolis Colts. 
where you're relying so heavily on one individual to be a miracle worker and go out there and perform miracles and throw lasers and run and do everything that that's what I see when I watch the Bills. It, it, they are so reliant on Josh Allen to make it happen. Um, he's an incredible player, but it reminds me so much of Andrew Luck. I think about the Bills offensive line, pretty average, maybe a little below average. That's how it was in the Luck era with Colts, the, in the Luck era with the Colts O-line. So I don't know. I just see so many similarities. No, no really strong run game. Luck era, there was no really strong run game. So I think, and I really enjoy watching the Bills, but I think a team like the Bills, which I think certainly can make it to the Super Bowl, but in order for that to happen, Josh Allen has got to be like gunning, doing whatever he can, having perfect playoff games after perfect playoff games, which he's fully capable of. But I think that was interesting. I just compared them a lot to one of my former teams, um, I think we're in that home stretch of the NFL season where things are taking shape. Felt like someone put a knife in my chest after I left uh, the uh, stadium, uh, Lucas Oil Stadium in the Eagles game. There will be the Monday night game. will have already passed. I will be going with my wife to the Monday night game against the Eagles, or excuse me, against the Steelers. Um, who knows what will happen. I love the NFL. I love football. So regardless of the position, regardless of the good times and bad times, I'm always going to be sitting back. I'm always going to be a fan. As I'm recording this, it's NFL Sunday. I'm going to sit as much as I can and watch as many games as possible. I think one of the things transitioning into football cards that I took note of um, was this pulling of the plug of young quarterbacks across the league. It happened twice. In the past week, and again, my intention here is not to piss on anyone's grave. I don't want to do that, but I want to define the different spectrums that represent our hobby. So the two case studies and examples that we can turn to are Zach Wilson and Davis Mills. Okay, Both of them lost their starting jobs um, over this past week, but if you rewind the tape back into the when the season started with the way the hoopla and the hype and everything was going you would have thought these two were you know the the second coming and you know they're they were you know getting their bus ready for Canton not so much the case we got to slow down a little bit so I did a little bit of digging did some data uh research my favorite tool card ladder shout out card ladder Um, but I looked at Zach Wilson cards, I looked at Davis Mills cards, and I was trying to get some understanding of what has happened between the hype till these guys not even being on the field anymore. So here, get ready, uh, all you collectors out there, um, to get your mind uh, blown a little bit. So Zach Wilson, I started here. I looked and I just wanted to know how many sales has Zach Wilson had over $10,000? <laughs> First of all, think about $10,000, okay? $10,000, uh, I don't care what uh, income bracket you're in, 10000 bucks is a lot of money. I think it gets a lot of money to anyone. Um, anyone could use ten k and just think about ten k in the hobby. Think about what you can do based on, on your collection with ten k. Think about an inc- Think about a card you can get of a Hall of Famer um, think about the rarity scarcity they can spend 10k on. Okay. Zach Wilson, 
10K sales and above, there has been 32. So there has been 32 individuals now, barring it could have been, you know, the same individual buying 10K cards multiple times. Let's hope not. But there has been 32 sales over 10K of Zach Wilson cards. His highest sale was the 2021 Panini National Treasure Rookie Patch Autograph Stars and Stripes NFL Shield Platinum, one of one. This card, PSA Authentic, PSA DNA 10, sold for $66,000 on Golden on August 22nd, 2022. $66,000 for a card of a guy who's no longer the starting quarterback. So there's that. Now let's look at Davis Mills. Now, obviously, based on position, hype, the levels of hype, the levels of the hobby mainstream, pumping the pumps, showing the tape of the BYU Pro Day, all those things, you know, we're not talking about that. There wasn't as much hype around Davis Mills, so we can take a step back. But I wanted to look at, I wanted to look at how many 10K sales and above he'd had. So Wilson, 32. Davis Mills, three. But if you look in the 3K or higher, Davis Mills has had 66 sales, according to Cardlighter. 66 sales where individuals spent $3,000 or more on his cards. The highest, 2021 National Treasure, Hollow Gold, Davis Mills, Rookie Patch Auto, out of 10, BGS 9. And I didn't record that as I... uh, as I'm looking at my notes here, which that's okay. The the benefit of having technology at your disposal is I can go to card ladder. I can go to sales. I can type in Davis Mills and we're going to find a price for you. $21,000 just like that. That sold on September 11th, 2022. 21K. Boy. So I guess I'm going to say this, first of all. I don't want to be alarming and I don't want to offend anybody with this take, but I'm going to say it. But both of these cards, as I didn't even consider this up until looking at them and reading them out loud, both of them national treasures. National treasures, in my opinion, is the most overrated product of all time. It's look at these prices, especially when you're looking at these cards where these these are unworn patches. Okay, people are spending, and people will argue, oh, it's the lineage, it's the blah, it's the blah. I don't care. Like, I, personally, I don't, I don't really think these cards look cool at all. I don't care about them. I think they're overhyped. Yeah, so a little bit of a shade thrown on National Treasure. Sorry about that for any NT apologists out there, but I'm not about it. So I think what this tells me is there's different flavors of the hobby. And there's a anyone who bought these cards, I'm imagining they're in the hot potato camp where are you really spending all that money on Davis Mills or Zach Wilson because you absolutely love them? I don't know. I'm questioning that. I think were there 32 people that were fans of Zach Wilson or 32 people that were looking to profit? Gambling? This seems a little bit like gambling. I don't know. It's I'm going to buy these cards and I'm going to sell them for hire. But what we're seeing is that this causes the biggest crash and the biggest fall. And I don't know. Like That's a game in the hobby that people play. I don't understand it and I don't get it. And is it better for the hobby? Is it not good for the hobby? I don't know. But what I can tell you 
is I'm not talking to the people that are spending the money, $66,000 on Stars and Stripes, NFL Shields of quarterbacks who don't even play anymore. I'm not talking about those people who decide to do that. I'm talking about you, the collector. Like, to me, that means like we can take advantage of this, you know, silliness, okay? By leaning into passion over profit. While people are out there buying quarterbacks that can't even last a season, there has to be opportunity in there in our player PCs. This long game mentality, no matter what, if it's sports cards, no matter, no matter relationships, what it is in life, it always wins. It always wins. And I just wanted to start there. I think it's interesting. And you know what? This is a show about collecting cards. And I want to shout out a great account and a special thank you to 90s underscore card on Instagram. Are you following 90s underscore card? Probably not. And to be honest with you, this is one of my uh, new favorite accounts and (laughs) just incredible cards. And there are 307 people following this account and just so many cool cards on this account. And I also want to thank 90s underscore card because we got to chatting and I got sent a card I'd never seen before. It was a 98 score Marshall Falk one of one. I'm going to get this card up, post it so you can all see it. But we were trading messages and about this card and I thought it was just uh, an interesting take was the comment was this has a 99 rubies-esque shine which hits a lot better in person and I couldn't agree more. I'm I'm like literally have the card in my hand. I'm looking at it. It is a beautiful card. So I want to thank 90s underscore card and go check out the page. It's incredible. Yeah, this is a pro tip. Uh, you can send me some cards and get a shout out on the pod if you want to. I only kid. It was organic and uh, was not asked to give the shout out, but I give shout outs to cards, accounts, and people I believe in. And I want to shout out my man, Ryan. Mind Cycle Cards, a lot of good conversation on that, a lot of good feedback. Love talking to collectors. Have another one coming up this Friday. Got my man Nate in Cardboard Veritas, a good brother in the hobby. I've been enjoying listening to his conversations for some time on Rob's show, Sports Card Therapist, and said, you know what? We'd love to have you on the podcast would want to talk to you about why you collect. He put something up on his IG account, and I said, this would be a good topic for a, a conversation. So we're going to get in the weeds on collecting. He is a vintage guy, incredible collection. Go check out Nate's page in Cardboard Veritas and get ready for that freaking conversation on Friday. Fired up for it. Also, link in the show notes. Sign up for the newsletter plugging it. I'm plugging it. I'm going to continue to plug it because what I'm thinking and working on is I want to find problems in the current construct of how we operate in the hobby. And I am very interested in solving them. I've been experiencing some pain that I think many other collectors out there are facing. I'm going to start testing some theories. I'm going to let you all inside soon. I promise you that. I'm going to let you all inside soon. Um, the newsletter will be a communication channel to support some of the testing and collectors shouldn't be limited. I think collectors shouldn't be limited to just buying cards that they want or they think they, or that they can afford based on their work. But I think we should start getting credit for some of the other 
previous work we've done based on the equity we built in our collection. So I'm thinking a lot about that. I'm thinking a lot about speed. I'm thinking a lot about no barriers, no limits when we see cards that we want. And I think there are ways that we all can work together on, um, you know, having confidence in buying cards that we believe in and we love. So again, like this isn't going to happen overnight. This is the thoughts that race through my mind when I'm not being dad, when I'm not being a husband, when I'm not uh, being a professional, but when I am being a collector like many of you. So more on that to come. Go sign up for the weekly rip is the newsletter. Going to be bringing it to life at some point. It'll be a tool that we use. So make sure you go subscribe. It's free. All right, let's jump into activity. So I think having activity is one of the most important pieces of feedback that I can offer any collector based on what I've learned over the past three or so years. I think activity affords opportunity. The more you put in, the more things, good things are going to happen. So let's talk about activity. What What do I mean by activity? Let's define activity. I think activity are all of the things that take place in the hobby that give us experience and end up leading to the cards that we want. So breaking them down, this can be networking, this can be group chats, one-off interactions, commenting, liking. I can't tell you how important it is when you see something that you like or you believe in to comment. If someone in the hobby is doing something good that you appreciate and approve of, make sure you tell them. This is as simple as liking posts, this is as simple as commenting, this is as simple as sharing. This is if you have a culmination of activities, regularly DMing, there's a group of you starting group chats. The more you network in the hobby, the better your collection will be. I can promise you that. You have people looking out for you. You have people at shows, people talking, sharing stuff. It is way better to have eyes and ears on cards that you are looking for outside of yourself. More activity to find, posting your stuff. This is how you build your brand in the hobby. People identify you with the cards that you post. Likely that someone reaches out to you when they see something they think you want or like. It's the eyes and ears of the hobby. This happens to me regularly. I get few different DMs a week saying, hey, I saw this, wanted to make sure you saw this, or hey, I'm at a show. I know you collect this kind of stuff. Are you interested? This would not happen if I wasn't posting my cards on a regular basis. Posting your cards on a regular basis is kind of the collector badge we wear. If you're not posting your cards, like that's fine, and we no one can make you post your cards, but I believe there's way more advantages there than there are disadvantages to regularly telling the community what you're buying, and why you're buying it. Use your stories. The more you use your stories on IG, the more interactions you'll have. Go to shows. Nothing is better than meeting people face-to-face. I've met people face-to-face. It, you break through so many barriers. The trust is built and established. And I think going to shows, some of us don't go as, min, as much as others. Just try to, once a quarter, try to find a show to go to Try to meet up with people you interact with online. It is significant and it matters. It really does. Grading. You might not grade. Maybe you do grade. But I think going through the process of grading your cards yourself is really powerful. 
I don't send my cards anywhere to get it graded. I do it myself. And I can't tell you how, over the last three years, how my eye for cards and the condition of cards has improved by going through the process and doing it myself. Cleaning the cards, um, looking at the centering, looking at the surface. I just make, to be honest, like in some people don't care about grading. Some people don't care about condition. That's fine. But if you do grade cards, like go through the process of doing it yourself at least once. The more you do it, the more you're going to be aware when you're looking at cards in person or online. I think selling, selling is an interesting topic for all of us collectors. I think selling for many of us is the necessary evil. Um, When we sell our cards as collectors, most of the time we're not going to use the card to buy a new Tesla or invest in Twitter or um, go on a vacation or buy a yacht. We're using those funds to go buy other cards that we want. So it's a necessary evil because we've built up this equity in our PC and sometimes we got let it go of cards. I say this often, you got to let go of good cards to get great cards. I firmly believe that. Going through selling, going through the process allows you to understand temperature of the market, understand what you got, learn negotiation, learn outreach, think you can do it from an individual perspective. You can also do it through a consigner. I think I'm I'm a big fan of both. I do both. Obviously, it depends on the situation. It depends on the volume. Um, if I have a lot of cards, raw cards, if it's like stuff that's going to take up days at a time for me, chances are that I'm not going to do it myself. So I'm going to send that through a consigner. And I have uh, been doing that recently. So shout out volume accumulation. I'll give a little plug ski there. It is where I'm consigning cards through Chris. Had nothing but a great experience so far. Just got my first sub done or first consignment done. Got paid out. I just put a box together, got another one going. But it's this constant activity. Looking at my PC, what can go? What can I uh, get rid of and what can help me get bigger and better cards? I put something on my story. Activity. I said, wanting to buy Andrew Luck, one of ones, gold, and I'll take a look at anything you think is cool. I got five DMs from people. One DM led to a conversion, and that conversion led to me having two Andrew Luck cards in my PC that I would not have had if I didn't post that. Those two cards are the 2016 and the 2017 Spectra one of ones. I have no Spectra cards. These are my first. These cards look incredible. I'm going to shout out my man, Andrew Luck Collector, Justin, for making those available. But I just think those cards would sit one of ones sitting in a collector's PC, but he knew a fellow luck collector was looking for more lucks and he had some room to move some stuff and made those available to me. It is so critical that we are constantly performing activity in the hobby. And I promise you, the more you get on it, the more cards will come your way. I want to close out this episode by talking about the desire to build a collection that is unique and significant. I think every one of us has a different story of collecting. 
we zoom all the way out and imagine zoom all the way out and imagine that you you know wrote a book on your collecting journey. Think about that for a second. We'd select someone to write the foreword who's probably inspiration to us. We'd likely begin the book by defining collecting and trying to s- explain why we do it. Good thing is, is we're going to get into the weeds on that on Friday. Another plug with Nate in Cardboard Veritas. It's extremely diffi- differ- difficult to summarize it with just a sentence. Many of our stories would be a progression. Each chapter would outline growth. Personally, I'm thinking about magnet moments and thinking about moments that suck people into the hobby. And for me, this tw- you know, 2018, 2019 craze of prison basketball, Luca and Zion, that was a reason I got back. Saw some mainstream something was a magnet coming in. You go through the prospecting, you go through the losses, you connect with players and teams, you connect with types of cards and products. You sell cards you love. You buy bigger cards because you love them more. But then it comes down to this opportunity of just being unique, curating and building a collection that is unlike anyone else's. That is what's attractive to me in the hobby. That's what I want to curate. That is what is attractive when I see other pages. I want to see stuff that I don't see every day. And I think it's expression. It tells stories. It explains who you are as a fan and a collector. I saw a Matt Ryan Origins one of one right before I went to bed. I posted this on my Instagram. Card was 60 bucks, best offer. I smashed Ben. I did, I, I'm a Matt Ryan collector, but I had no Colts cards. And what better way to start than this badass Origin one of one? I don't have any other Origins cards in my PC, but that card looked cool to me. I don't give a shit about what other people think about it. I don't care if people think Origin's a waste of money or Origin's the best thing ever. In that moment, I saw that card. I saw Matt Ryan in a Colts jersey. I saw it was a one-of-one, and it looked cool to me. And I was scared that some other Matt Ryan collector was going to get it. And they that was my card. I'm the Colts Matt Ryan fan. <laughs> And that card belonged to me. And that is how I felt. And that's why I wasn't fucking around. And that's why I smashed Ben. And I posted that card. And that card cost me 60 bucks, but was one of the most proudest cards I had posted because it just meant a lot to me. And it was a meant a lot to me because all of my Matt Ryan cards in my PC, he's wearing Falcon stuff. And in this card, in a one of one Origins, he's wearing my team. And that's special to me. So I think it's important, whatever we do, don't pay attention to other people. Don't let other people influence you. You know deep down inside who you're a fan of. You know deep down inside what kind of collector you are. Go all in on that. And when you do it, make sure you share your cards so we can smash like, share in our stories, and tell you how cool it is. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. You take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. Tune back in if you would on Friday. Got my man, Nate. In Cardboard Veritas, why we collect. Take care of yourself.